Hey, Rachel, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? Good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. Of course. I'm so excited for our conversation. If you want to just start by introducing who you are, just a little bit about you, like who you are, what you do, where you currently live. Yeah, let's do it. So my name is Rachel Straining. I am 25 years old, about to turn 26 in a few months. Um, I am from New Jersey and I currently live in Hoboken where I love it there. And I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2014. So it was the summer before my senior year of high school. I was, I think, 16 and now I'm about to turn 26. So like 10 years ago. But in the midst of all of that, I kind of found my passion for cooking and gluten-free recipes and advocacy work. So now I do social media content creation, recipe development for health and wellness brands that kind of match my food philosophy and, you know, just sharing my journey online. Yeah, that is so cool. Well, I'd love if you want to like share more about just like the beginning of like when you were diagnosed, what Crohn's disease is, if people aren't familiar with it, and, like what symptoms you had that like led you to like get that diagnosis. Yeah. So Crohn's disease, which is what I have specifically, is a type of IBD. And there are two. So there's ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease. I have Crohn's disease that's specifically in my terminal ileum and Unfortunately, the exact cause still remains unknown for so many people. I, like I said, was diagnosed in 2014, but it took years to get a proper diagnosis. And that is unfortunately all too common. I hear so many other stories about people who you really are fighting for your life and your health and for answers. And I started to not feel well my freshman year of high school, which is, of course, just the most pivotal time for a lot of young teenagers. So I was so active my whole life. I grew up playing every sport. And when the first thing I started noticing was that I had this intense, like this really intense joint pain. And I was a freshman in high school. I shouldn't be having this intense joint pain. So that was my first symptom, which a lot of people don't even realize can go along with the inflammation that comes with IBD. And from there, it kind of turned into what felt like the stomach flu every single day. And my sophomore year of high school was when it really kicked into full force. And freshman year, sophomore year, that kind of period, I had to quit the lacrosse team. I couldn't play sports anymore. The pain just became too much. And my sophomore year, I was put on homebound instruction for the end of that year, which was really difficult. I was too sick to even make it to school. So I had to have teachers and tutors come to my home to finish out the year. And then after that, for a bit, I thought it was better. Um, And then I went back junior year. And then junior year, it all just hit me like a ton of bricks while navigating applying to colleges and the ACTs, SCTs, all of that. And I ended up in the hospital um, for a few weeks. And then after that, which is crazy that they didn't even give me a colonoscopy when I was in the hospital or do these really important diagnostic tests. Um, But then I was finally diagnosed through the biopsy of my colonoscopy um, years later. So that's kind of long story short. Jeez, that is insane. Like just like that the how long it took, like you mentioned, to get the diagnosis and just like how much pain you were in. And like that's the most frustrating thing is probably like you are so ready to get the help you want, just and you want someone to just tell you what is wrong so you can start making the changes. But like 
the unknowing is probably so frustrating. It's so true. And it's, it's this weird catch 22 of like, obviously you don't want anything to be wrong, but you know, something is so wrong. You just know your body. And I was like, this is not normal. I was so sick. And you just want those answers. And also to be, I think the worst part was that I think a lot of people go through this is the invalidation that comes with invisible illness, especially where you can kind of look fine on the outside. It really goes dismissed by doctors. And I had doctors tell me, oh, you're just oversensitive to pain. And I was like, no, like there is something so critically wrong here. And it really, it was, it was a fight. Yeah. It really was a fight for those answers. No, exactly. I know, I know exactly what you're saying. And it's like, yeah, of course you don't want something to be wrong with you. But at the same time, it's like the sooner you figure it out, it's like a blessing once you find out, cause you can start making those changes. So when were you like officially diagnosed and like, what changes did you start to make in your life that like started to help your health um, and start to feel better? Yeah, I think post-diagnosis, like you said, I was diagnosed in 2014. So it was years after I started actually experiencing those symptoms. And it was not even through the colonoscopy. It was through the biopsy of the colonoscopy, which is something I like preach because a lot of doctors won't even do the Like they don't even think to do the biopsy sometimes, but that's actually how they found my Crohn's. So at that point, like you said, it was such a relief. Like I finally had answers and in that, and with those answers, it kind of gave me a path going forward. So at first it was a relief, but my journey after diagnosis is a bit more tumultuous than maybe some other people have gone through because it was working through a lot of acceptance and denial of being diagnosed as chronically ill and having this life-changing illness. And right after I was diagnosed, it was summer for my senior year of high school. So after that, I was going on to college. And that all, that whole time period just kind of really rocked me. And I knew I had to make certain lifestyle changes, but I was kind of so tired of being sick and tired that once I got to college my freshman year, I was like, I'm going to do anything I can, like balls to the walls, like I'm not sick. These people don't know the sick girl that I was in high school. Let's just pretend this doesn't exist. Push it down, push it down, ignore all the work, both mentally and physically that I had to do. And it, of course, I hit a point of rock bottom and that, and I ended up back in the hospital and that was kind of really my awakening of what led me to think about changing the way I was eating changing my stress management adding in some more holistic things, um, you know, just everything like that. But it wasn't a straightforward linear path after getting that diagnosis for me. Yeah. And to have that happen while you're at college when, you know, I'm sure it's just like everyone wants to have fun and you just want to have fun and like meet new people and to have something like, like this huge be happening to you at like that time in life is probably so hard too. So did you like, were you able to stay in college or did you have to take like a semester off? Like how did that work? Yeah, so after I kind of hit that rock bottom point after freshman year, I really decided to reevaluate things and get back into therapy, reevaluate kind of the things I was doing as well medically for my Crohn's disease. And I was doing really well for a really long time. And then it hit a point, it was my senior year of college and out of nowhere. Um, because this disease can just 
rear its head at any time and have a mind of its own. Um, out of nowhere, um, I had the worst flare that I had had in like four years. I was flare free for about, you know, since my freshman year of college. And then my senior year, it all kind of came tumbling down and I had to finish my senior year of college from home. So that was a really big, um, a really big turning point in my life and a very difficult time for sure. Oh, I'm sure. And I'm guessing because you mentioned like you don't really understand, like you, people don't sometimes know the cause. Like, do you know what caused the flare? Like, you don't know. You know, I've been racking my head for the last how many years trying to figure out. And I think that's what's so hard about this disease too, is when I first got sick and when I was first diagnosed or anytime someone has a flare or the medication fails them, it's like, oh, I failed this. Like I did this wrong but it's so not true. You can do everything quote unquote, like right for you and your body and your disease. And this, this, it can just have a mind of its own. And I think that can be so disheartening, but it's something that, you know, I'm working through every day and I wish I like could know what caused it, but I probably will never know. And I think that's also something I've learned of like, sitting with that unknown is very uncomfortable and very difficult for so many people, but it's, you know, kind of something I have to work on. Yeah. Totally. And I think like, I mean, all you can do is just do the best you can with like the knowledge you have. And it's like, just accepting, like, unfortunately, like you might not know the cause, but just accepting that because there's no really point on dwelling on it, unfortunately, just, it's only going to hurt you. So, but I am curious, like anything that you would tell like yourself when you first like started recovering, looking back, like what things have like helped you? I know you mentioned a few, just like really big things that you continuously do, like almost like every day or every week that really helps like prevent any more flare ups to the best of your ability. Yeah. I think that for me, I kind of call it my disease management toolkit because I think a lot of people see it as like a very black and white thing. It's like, oh, I need to just do food and lifestyle changes, or I just need medication. For me, it's a combination of everything. So I am on medication. I also am so careful about my diet. I have many food allergies and sensitivities as well. So it is those diet and lifestyle changes too. Um, Things like acupuncture, um, like I said, addressing that emotional stress and trauma that I've been through medically, like stress is one of my biggest flare triggers. So really working to keep that at bay. Um, I think like less things like less caffeine, reducing my alcohol intake, um, digestive enzymes, probiotic rich, collagen rich foods, like everything like that. I try to really do as regularly as I can and kind of see it as a lifestyle and, you know, all the things I, I can implement rather than seeing all the things that I have to take out and change kind of, you know, looking at and adopting it in that mindset. Yeah, of course. And like all the things you mentioned are like so healthy for like other people to do that don't even struggle with the Crohn's. Like personally, like when I'm, you know, managing my stress and I'm eating healthy and I'm like taking care of other things, like you mentioned, like it only helps my health as well. Like I don't have Crohn's, but like it helps my anxiety that I have. I like OCD, like stuff like that. So it's just, yeah, yeah, exactly. So that doesn't help. Um, yeah. So I completely think that is so awesome that you've like figured out some like things to like, you know, maybe decrease, like just like take away the triggers that you might have. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's such a whole, it's a whole body 
whole mind body kind of thing. That's the approach that I have with it. Because for me, if one of those things is out of whack, like I could be following my, you know, like dietary needs, but if my stress is through the roof, that's going to throw me off as well. And my stomach will start hurting. I'll get the nervous stomach and it all just like will spiral. So I think seeing it in that way and kind of, it's not really one thing. It's a combination of so many that kind of help me get to where I am right now. Totally. And yeah. so and you mentioned like food allergies. So are those like fully separate from the Crohn's? So those are separate, but also like because they trigger and aggravate my stomach, you know what I mean? Like it does kind of make everything worse. It's all just a whole. It's all your body. So that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. So what yeah. are all the different allergies? I know you, you're gluten free. Yes. Yeah. I'm lactose intolerant, but sometimes I will eat cheese because like who doesn't love some cheese sometimes, but I don't do like, um, I can't do like milk. I can do like more aged cheese that have like less lactose, things like that. Um, and then I try to stay away from the corn because that also triggers my, um, IVD as well. Cause it just like goes through people normally and it's been really great for anyone. So it's not great for me. Um, I'm sensitive to like soy that has gluten, everything like that. Yeah. And I try to watch like sugars and everything too. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. I think a lot of people are like sensitive to those things normally as well. But I have, I, I think I've told you already, but like I have celiac disease. So I resonate very much with just the gluten aspect of it because I've had, I found it, I had celiac when I was in fourth grade. So I think I've had it for about 16 years now. Wow. I, I know, but for it took me about like two years to get the diagnosis as well. And I was, I think in second grade, I remember like going to the nurse's office every day, like having a headache, feeling lightheaded. Like I was super underweight, like super short, like I wasn't growing. And it was all because of celiac. And like, it took a while to get that diagnosis. It helped that it is genetic. And some of my aunts and like girl cousins like already had it. But it, it was definitely like a shock, especially back then too, when like, it wasn't quote unquote trendy to be gluten-free back then. And so like, it was definitely like a huge lifestyle change, like getting that diagnosis. I mean, now it's like easy and I'm so used to it, but like, it's definitely like I have a friend who recently kind of found out that she might be gluten-free and it's just like being at our age and like getting that diagnosis of like, you could have to change your entire diet. It's difficult. It is. And I can't, I honestly can't even imagine at that young too, because I think luckily the good thing was I was able to kind of put into words and communicate like what I was feeling but I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was in like fourth grade and my mom's a psychologist so she picked on it very early but I was like I don't know like it's like you feel like something's wrong but it's probably so hard to verbalize that when you're young as well too but I think to be diagnosed now like you said it's not easy by any means but there are so many more resources and products and people speaking out about these things like probably having you as a resource for your friend and people who are diagnosed now it's so it's a lot different than it was a few years ago yeah no exactly i mean i remember like when i i mean my lunches in fourth grade were literally like carrots like turkey and cheese rolls and like the only gluten-free pr- pretzels that were like available and like in seventh grade I think gluten-free bread came out and I like my friend still like talks about it how I was eating a sandwich and like it fell apart like just eating and I remember like my mom would drive like 30 minutes to go to the one grocery store that had like gluten-free like bread or some substitute I think it was like booties was the big one at the time when I switched and that was like the only one on the market and I just remember like 
eating it so much because I wanted bread so badly. And the turkey and cheese roll-ups was like the go-to. We used to call it like snack plates because that was like all I could have sometimes. So my parents tried to like make it fun and be like, oh, you can have a snack plate for dinner. But it was really just, you know, the bare minimum of what we were trying to figure out worked for me at the time, you know? No, exactly. I've seen like such, and I'm sure you would too, just like the evolution of like the gluten-free products, like how they've improved so much. And it's so funny. I was like, saw on some Instagram account the other day, just like whenever I go to a grocery store and I see like a new gluten-free product, like I just have to buy it. Like I just have to try it out because I, I feel like, now, like I now know all the good brands and what to eat and what not to buy, but it's just like when there's something new, like a new Oreo, like that's new or like just a new substitute that like you've never had before. It's like, it's like a total game changer. It is because I think there's so much joy in food. And when you go through all of these things, it feels like the joy of like life's little things are kind of stripped from you and your control and like your decision-making is kind of stripped from you at times when you're going through health challenges so I think to get to a point now where there's so many options like I truly if you ask me what one of my hobbies is it's like perusing grocery stores like literally same (laughs) like I if I'm like overwhelmed and I just want to like this is so strange what I'm about to say but like I like want to distress or it's like I literally go to like Whole Foods and walk around because it just makes me happy seeing the gluten-free products and I know that's weird but I feel like another gluten-free person would get that I have two things. One is I go to TJ Maxx and I sniff the candles and just like check out all of the like aromatherapy candles there. That's one. And then the second is like going to Whole Foods. I was, I'm home this week. Um, and I, it was like, I told you, and I texted my dad yesterday because I just wanted to get out of the house. I was like, want to go for a trip to the grocery store? It just brings me, like, I'm sure like you too, it just like brings me joy. And like, I don't even sometimes buy things because I'm like, honestly, it just would get way too expensive, that habit. But like, But it is funny just, like, growing up with gluten, like, the gluten allergy, like, some of the habits that I have that, like, other people don't do, like, I will, like, always have a bar with me. Like, I always have food with me. I always, like, eat kind of, like, something before I go to eat because, like, I never know what I'm going to be able to eat. Always. Like, yeah. There's just, like, weird things that, like, not weird, but, like, there's just habits or things that I do now that, like, other, my friends don't do because they don't struggle with this. But I'm just so used to it. You would appreciate that. So uh, when I was working in the corporate world at my marketing job a few years ago, it was this known thing of we would have events for clients that we would have to go to. And that was at a time where I was really struggling with food. And I would never know what they would have that I could eat at these events. So in a little Ziploc, now like a stasher baggie, I would bring like chicken pieces because it was always just like, a safe protein. I knew like I would have that protein, whatever. And it became a thing where now everyone knows that I BYOC, like I would just bring my own chicken, like everywhere I went. And I know that sounds so crazy, but it's just what you had to do at that time when like, there weren't that many options yet. And you needed to make sure you had something safe that you could trust. Totally. I mean, I completely understand. It's like also like being at like more like a job, like corporate event. Like you don't want to be that person. Be like, sorry, I can't eat this because I'm gluten free. Like, you know, it's harder to speak up. So it's like better that you're like prepared. You can just eat your own food. Cause I hate to be that person to like, be like, oh, I can't eat that. But it's like, it's the reality. But sometimes like in a big corporate setting, that's also like so much harder. Totally. I think there's a time and place. And I think, you know, in social settings, especially I've learned to kind of 
in, in work and environments, it's very difficult and it's different. But when it comes to like social settings and friendships, like I'm so thankful now to have the people in my life that I do that will be out at the bar and then they'll go to a pizza place and my best friend will be like, no, Rachel and I are going to go to CVS that we have in town and see what snacks we can grab for her. Like we'll, we'll meet up with you guys after you get some pizza and just to like surround yourself with people like that. It's so important, I think, because these diseases can feel really isolating and hard to navigate socially, especially like at our ages. And I think it takes a lot of trial and error and working on your confidence and setting boundaries for yourself and speaking up when and where you feel like you can. Um, But to have those people, it just, it makes such a difference too. And I think also being prepared in times when there aren't those situations or those people you can count on. The preparation, I think too, like, yes, it requires a lot of planning, but then it allows you to enjoy yourself more in the moment. And for me, that's always worth it, you know? A hundred percent. No, I completely agree on like everything you said. And I think, well, so like when I first started dating my boyfriend, he downloaded like the My Gluten, Find Me Gluten Free app, which I thought was so cute. Cause I was like, at the time I didn't even have it. Cause like now I just know all the spots that I can eat at, but it was just so thoughtful. I went down to Philly to see some friends over the, like a few weekends ago and they like, they were making like avocado toast and French toast for breakfast. And then like towards like closer to when we were about to eat, I was like, guys, like, I'm sorry, you don't have gluten-free bread, do you? Like, I can go run out and get some to, like... And they're like, oh, my gosh, no, we already got you some, like... And it's just, like, those, like, little gestures, like, and they remembered, like, meant so much to me. And it's, like, it makes you just really appreciate, like, it's so little, but it means so much because it just makes me feel included. It makes such, such a difference. Even when I was, you know, first diagnosed and, like, learning how to speak up at restaurants my mom used to order the same thing as me with all the accommodations because that way it was easier for the waiters to remember that like two dishes had to be prepared that way and it was just those little things stick with you and they make such a difference in building that confidence you know and that trust within other people and yourself to be able to navigate your life with these things it all just it it just makes such a difference it really does it's like or my, like, yeah, my boyfriend will like get order gluten-free now. I mean, nowadays it's like pretty much it tastes the same, but like, he's just like, people are just like so understanding or like my, I remember when I was a kid, my parents would just like eat the dessert. Like that was gluten and be like, oh, Allie, it doesn't taste good. I'm like, no, I know it tastes good. I'd actually rather you tell me it tastes good. So I'm like living through you, but yeah, it's, yeah. And I just, I just moved in with my boyfriend and he will like eat my lentil pastas He'll like eat the gluten-free breads, even though they're like the size of like his pinky finger. Like it just, it really feels so good to feel accepted by people around you. And even just talking to people like you who just get it, it just makes life so much easier. It really does. Totally. And I will note, like, it is interesting. I'm sure you experience this when you eat out as well. It's just sometimes like you just have to like risk feeling the symptoms. Like, I mean, sometimes it's just like, it's bound to happen. I mean, not every place is going to be like clean where there's no cross-contamination, stuff like that. Like, I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm in a state of my stomach always hurting and I'm honestly just so used to it. But like, I don't know if you experience that too, but I feel like sometimes like, I mean, I have a roommate, we share the same toaster. I'm not going to have my own toaster. Like, of course it's going to like touch or like I go to a pizza place. It's going to touch the same grill as if like the regulars. 
I think it really depends on like everyone's situation. Like there are some people who like can't even do any cross contamination and like, you know, the share fryers and things like that. It even, I, I learned it obviously after being diagnosed, but even things like certain sauces as thickeners, like it's in so many things. And I think my go-to is calling up restaurants, but I do it like ahead of time. So that way, like I can kind of do it behind the scenes and, you know, that way I'm not imposing on like anyone or trying to navigate it like at the table as much, but they even have those like cards now where you can like, even if you don't want to speak up or you don't want to, you know, do things like that. They have cards where you can kind of hand slip it to the waiter and be like, okay, here are my dietary needs. Can you just make sure the chef sees this? So I think even things like that, like it's becoming easier, but there are still so many challenges that come with it too. Yeah. Totally. I completely feel that. Um, But I am curious, just like any like about the Crohn's, is there any like resources that you found super useful when you first were diagnosed or like when you were navigating, like figuring out what worked for you, like anyone that's listening might be able to like check out like any podcast books, websites. Yeah. Yeah. So the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation, of course, they have a lot of resources. They also, if you're around like our age, um, I'm like 25, 26, kind of in that range, there is... I think the biggest thing for me also in terms of resources was finding that community. I waited for so long and you can learn so much. Obviously everyone's journey is different, but one, the solidarity of the community, you can learn so much. There is um, some cities will have um, young adult, like it's like young professionals, but it's everyone like in the city. They have one in New York city actually. And I just went to one of their um, comedy event fundraisers. My friend is the um, president and it's just this cool way to connect with other people and then also share resources. They do events, um, they do fundraising. I think that's really cool to get involved with to make you feel less alone in navigating all of this. And I think also the internet is tricky and that's why I kind of try to share my story as openly as possible because I think Dr. Google and everything will, has swayed me into thinking like I'm dying way more, way more times than I actually was. But I think it's important to do your own research and do your own reading. Like that's what I did for so long. Um, In terms of books, there's, I was on um, a diet called the specific carbohydrate diet. So that was something, I think the book was called breaking the vicious cycle. Um, That was something that I just learned about food and how it can impact your body. But yeah, there's a lot of resources. I honestly should make a resource page like on my website. So that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, I think it's so helpful. Yeah, no, that's helpful. And I just think it is so there's so much on the internet. So like after like, like you learning all you that you did, just like the credible sources, I think is so helpful because like, I wouldn't know where to begin if I was diagnosed. So taking it out and like taking what works for you because everyone is so different and everyone's disease is so different. It's such an individualized thing, but the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation does have some good um, resources to start off on. And there's also um, an organization called CCYAN that is for like young adults as well. So they offer some resources for navigating college, accommodations, things like that too. Yeah. I think that's like so important to like what you mentioned, just like finding what works for you. Like not everything on the internet is meant for you to consume. Like I've just navigating my own health, like stuff like that. Like I feel like I consumed way too much from the internet that I kind of lost touch of like what worked for me. And that was like, I had to relearn that. But I think that's like so important to call out. 
Um, but so when did you start like content creation and like sharing your story and like creating recipes? Like, were you always interested in cooking? Like, how did you first start doing that? Yeah, I was always interested in cooking, but I was not interested in talking about all this for a really long time. Um, I grew up, my grandparents, like my grandma's, they're fantastic cooks. My mom's a great cook. I grew up watching them. And then I also grew up watching the Food Network, like every day, religiously. And when I was diagnosed, I kind of started to see everything like an episode of Chopped. And like my dietary restrictions were like the mystery basket. And I was like, what can we come up with, with these lists and these ingredients and the food that I can have? And that's kind of what started it for me. And it kind of helped me switch my mindset too, to get creative in the kitchen and put my spin on things and just have fun again with food, even while navigating these dietary restrictions and these dietary needs and these diagnoses. But I would say, I think I started sharing in like 2019. And then this has been, after that, I graduated college and then I was working a full time at a marketing agency. And then my business kind of picked up and I was waking up at like 6am to film before I went to work and do recipe testing. And then it all just got too much and COVID hit. And then it really made me like reevaluate what I wanted to do with my life. And I eventually took No Gluten Girl full time. I think it's been like a year and a half of doing it full time almost. Yeah. That's so cool. And so like, how did like, do you know what like allowed you to find success with the No Gluten Girl? Like any specific things that you were doing that allowed you to build more of a following, find more success? I think the number one thing is just showing up as myself as cheesy as that is but genuinely sharing what I was going through and not sugarcoating it not having the toxic positivity but also sharing the highs and the lows and everything that came with it and I think the second thing was that my recipes were and are really catered to people with these dietary needs and these chronic conditions. And I think that is something that isn't really easily accessible as much as it is to just pick up a cookbook and get general recipe ideas. I think finding things that, you know, incorporate gut healing ingredients or are gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, corn-free, refined sugar-free, those things aren't as, those recipes aren't as common. So I think that's what really um, helped it stand out from the rest. Totally. I think like just when people share like authentically, like who they are and the the things that they're struggling with and what's like helped, I think that's so like, I mean, as a follower, that's like what I want to follow the type of content. Yeah. And it really started for me because I was just like lonely. You know what I mean? I was, I didn't know anyone else my age who was going through it. And I, I just felt like there had to be other people out there who understood it and who were going through it too. So that's really what spurred me to even just start sharing was kind of out of that, you know, that feeling of loneliness and wanting to belong to a community who understood. Definitely. And so what are some of your favorite recipes on the website or like on your Instagram that you've shared? Oh my gosh, that is such a hard question. So I actually, a few months, I think like a year ago, I launched an ebook so that's called it's called Meals Reimagined. So it's like a bunch of classic favorite foods, all reimagined. I think all the recipes are, of course, gluten-free, dairy-free, all of that. Um, so all of the ones in there. 
my other two favorites are my gluten-free dairy-free macaroni salad i know that sounds so silly but it literally tastes like the classic one you would get at like a barbecue summer cookout so it's like perfect timing for that right now um the other one is my i do i have this corn-free cornbread that is really good and my like one of my career highlights was that Kiki Palmer made it and posted it on her Instagram. No so way. That's, that's so just cool. like one of my favorite memories ever. I mean, that's huge. I, I was like, I can die happy now. I'm good. I'm good. Um, and then I have like a healthier lasagna recipe with like a cashew ricotta. That's like one of my favorites. So those three. Yeah, I've seen the cornbread. I really want to make that. I've The crispy rice on your page looks... <laughs> Really? Okay. Well, just because that's something that you can't find anywhere being gluten-free. And that's what I like. You create a lot of recipes that like are a lot of foods that we can't really eat at. Like popcorn chicken, I think was one of them. Like there's a lot of foods that I've never had before because you can't find them out that are gluten-free. I love that you said that because that's like exactly what I try to do. Like recreating those dishes that you never thought you'd be able to eat. And even like the spicy tuna on the crispy rice, like I use a can of tuna and I make a spicy tuna out of it. Like I don't have the resources every day to like go to a fresh fish market and get cut, you know, tuna and things like that. Like just making it more accessible and approachable too, but still delicious. And it still ends up tasting, you know, as close to the original as possible. Yeah. And that's the best type of like food bloggers to follow. I feel like when you can actually make it in your home with like, it's not, doesn't have to be super expensive. You don't need all these different like tools in the kitchen. Like it's pretty simple, which is so amazing. Exactly. Like I'm 25. I'm balling on a gluten-free budget like gluten-free food is so expensive like just trying to make it all work I think that's a big thing too you know I'm never gonna have like 30 ingredients in a recipe I just it's not practical I can't wrap my brain around that that would just actually give me anxiety (laughs) definitely and I love that balling on a gluten-free diet or budget that's like literally so accurate it's just like I'm I don't even think twice about it now but it's like it is so different in price Oh my god, my grocery bill, well, we kind of combined it now, but my grocery bill versus like when I go to the grocery store with my boyfriend and he gets his like special stuff that I can't eat, like it's just astronomical. It's crazy the difference. I know. What grocery stores do you typically shop at like with the gluten-free like that you find the most? I honestly, I will say, I feel like I have to go to multiple grocery stores every time I grocery shop to get all my favorites that taste good. Yes. I have different favorites and different products that like are only sold at different ones. And it's also right now I live in Hoboken and I, it's so hard to drive there. So I don't have a car because there's like no parking. Like it's just, it's a mess. So I walk everywhere and carry my groceries. So I kind of have to think about that too, but I'll like go back to my apartment and grab another bag, make another trip. But I, I go to Trader Joe's a lot. I think they've really expanded in the past few years and they've added a lot of really cool gluten-free items but I cannot get everything I need at Trader Joe's (laughs) like they have like specialty stuff but um I have a shop right by me if I can obviously I love Whole Foods but my favorite thing also is I have um this like specialty organic it's owned by like a family like it's a small owned business in Hoboken and you, you'll have to come and see it. We can do like a grocery store trip. It has like everything you could ever want. And I love supporting businesses like that. And also just like we said, going and 
looking at the aisles and seeing what they have. But I think those like small owned, like organic grocers, like natural grocers are really cool to find new products out too. I completely agree. There's like something in the city called like what I think it's West Side Market or something, but they always have like a lot of fun, like gluten-free options that are like are not sold at like normal stores. Um, but I feel like people think too, Trader Joe's has like so many options. Like they don't have as many gluten-free as like obviously like they you would think so, and everyone assumes that they do, but like you'll pick up like a cookie and it like you would think it'd be gluten-free and it's like no, it's just regular. I like their like gluten free they have gluten free tortillas now that are good like cheaper than like Siete Dupe, which like is good, but like I cannot get my entire grocery store haul there. No. Yeah. I like their bread, but it's just so small. So small. Yeah. Um also I was gonna ask, when you do come to like do you come to New York, Manhattan often or do you stay in Hoboken? I will say lately I've been staying in Hoboken, but I do I do come into the city a lot, yeah. Because I wasn't sure. Like, do you have any, like, gluten-free – well, even Hoboken, too. Like, any favorite gluten-free restaurants, bakeries in Hoboken or New York? New York, I love Friedman's. And they have a few different locations. And I think everything on their menu is gluten-free except for, like, their matzo ball soup or something. But I've gotten sandwiches. They have, like, pot sticker. Like, it's so cool to go there. I think they have, like, a chicken and waffles – um my whole family has gone and they're my brother my dad like they're not gluten-free and they love the food there so I think that's like a really cool thing that you can bring other people to and they'll love the food too um I've heard really good things about modern bread and bagel I've gotten their stuff like shipped but I haven't been there yet but I really want to go um I heard a place called time and tonic is opening up that's on my list that I want to go to as well that's gluten-free um Friedman's probably my favorite and then in Hoboken, we honestly have a lot of really cool options. Um, there's a place that does um, gluten-free fried calamari in a separate gluten-free fryer. And the first time I tried it, I was like, I haven't had this in years. This is amazing. It's called Bin 14. It's really great. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll have to try that. Um, but yeah, if you ever come to the city, I will. So I've been to all those places you listed. Um, really? Yes. Just because they're, they're easy for me to get to. Yes. And I've lived here almost a year now. So like, a, like I've just already gone, but Friedman's I love. That was the first like chicken and waffles I've ever eaten. Exactly. And then there was a place that I'll take you. It's called Kesti. It's in Seaport and it is the best gluten-free pizza I've ever had in the U.S. I was going to say, <clears throat> I think I saw someone post that and they did like a pizza making class. Yep. And like everything on the menu can pretty much be made gluten-free. They have calzones, they have pizza, they have, I mean, my boyfriend got this like for dessert that you, it's like a Nutella pizza. Pretty much they literally get across, they stuff it with Nutella and put ice cream on top. So you could probably eat the ice cream, but like, there's like other, other desserts, like it, and there's, it's overwhelming because it's, there's so many options and I'm not used to having so many options. That's another weird thing that like, I feel like we struggle with is like, you go out to eat and when there's too many options, it's like overwhelming. I told her, I'm like, you're just like, I'm not used to this. Like, where do I even start? But it is so cool to have so many options. I've heard of that place. I need I need to go. I, I will say, I think my favorite thing, like, food-wise is when people do, like, Italian gluten-free food really well because it's something you never thought, like I said, like, those kind of meals that you never thought you'd be able to have a Nutella pizza or a calzone it just brings a different level of happiness that not many people understand 
No, it's literally just like the un because your expectations are so low with like Italian. Like I feel like when I ask people their favorite cuisine, they'll always say Italian, and I'm like, that's not me because I can never eat Italian. But yeah, I know what you're saying. Do you have yeah. a favorite like type of cuisine? Probably Italian, honestly. Like yeah. I can eat like good gluten free pots pasta or like a good gluten free pizza. I I'm I luckily like I am just such a big foodie. And it's been a blessing and a curse, but it's led me to, you know, have a passion for it again. But it was really hard when there were so many things I felt like I couldn't eat. So to see restaurants, brands, grocery stores, like making gluten-free Nutella pizza, calzones, like gluten-free fried calamari that this place in Hoboken does, like it just, I don't know. It's things you never thought you'd be able to do again after you've been diagnosed And I think that's a lot of like what you try to share too, of turning these hardships into, you know, it's your life. It's how do we navigate it and make the most of it and work with what we have and just find the joy again in all of it. No, exactly. I know. I do appreciate that like gluten-free is becoming so trendy because the demand for it has gone up so much. So there's a need so much for the people who just like did it as a trend. And I think people are like getting mad at that. I'm like, no, it's helped us so much because it's become more mainstream and it's spreading awareness and it's creating more products, getting more things on the shelves and in markets. Like I'll take it. I know. I know. The only thing that bothers me is like someone's like, oh, you're eating gluten-free because like and I'm like, no, I would never choose this lifestyle unless I like had to. Yes. Yes. This is like a serious health. Yeah. And now I embrace it. I mean, I'm at the point where obviously I've had it for so long that it's like my identity or part of my identity, I feel like, which I like love. I'm like, you know, I'm gluten-free. Whatever. Yeah. I think it's about embracing it too and making the most out of it and focusing on all of the things that like we can have now. And all the places like we can go and things like that. So I think it's so important to every time I see a new gluten-free restaurant on someone's story, I save it immediately and I'm like, oh, I have to go to this one. So it really does make such a difference. Exactly. Okay. The last two questions I always like to ask is the first being, what's your favorite quote or piece of advice? What is my favorite quote or piece of advice? I know it's so... It's not really like a quote or piece of advice, but just, I think, remember to be proud of yourself every day, no matter what, the small things, the big wins, like, it is something I'm still working on, but I think, especially with people who are navigating health issues, mental health issues, anything you're going through, just waking up and making it through the day is just such a win and we forget to really just be proud of ourselves for everything we're managing each day and that I think is something I try to remind myself yeah no I love that I think it's not like a long worded quote but just remember to be proud of yourself for everything you're you're doing no I mean that perfectly answers my question I think that's so true is because we like I feel like we get so caught up like everyone does in just like improving or doing the next thing that we like kind of forget to like realize like where I'm at now is like where I've been trying to get to for so long. Like, let me be proud of myself for what, where I'm at and who I am right now. Exactly. Even just the me a few years ago who was so sick and scared and couldn't make it out of bed. The fact that I can even go to a restaurant and order off a menu and not want to cry and be so scared. I think if you're at that point, 
I see you and I understand you and I feel you. And I think my goal is just obviously to share the truth of the hardships, but to also show that there is, you know, there's always been a light at the end there. The light is within you and like you are going to make it through and you're going to make it work for you and your life. It just takes a little bit of time and hard work, but there are other people who are going through it that you can also, you know, take lessons from and learn from. Exactly. And like the experience is making you stronger and more like aware and educated. So yeah, I think that's awesome. But then the last question is what is something you do every day that brings you joy? My gosh, what is something I do every day? My morning matcha is my favorite thing. Um, But it doesn't happen every day, but we try to do what we can. Um, Since moving in with my boyfriend, we try to like sit down and have dinner and talk about our days and We'll fill up like a wine glass with some kombucha and just like cheers, like happy Monday. We made it through the first day of the week. Just things like that. Um, that connection, it's something that I look forward to at the end of like every day. I love that. That's like so nice. Like no distractions, just like time one. I think that's so important. So that's great. And then an hour later, we'll sit and we'll scroll yeah. on TikTok <laughs> on our phones. But at least like we have that little moment that like is really special. Definitely. Um, well, before I let you go, if you want to let everyone know where they can find you. Yes. So I am the no gluten girl on every platform, Instagram, TikTok, and my website is the no gluten as well. So feel free to send me a message. Um, I also have more about like my whole health journey um, on my website too. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was so great to talk to you. 